Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Guy Stanton III. We're going to be talking about his book, The Blacksmith's Daughter. It's available for free today. So make sure you go ahead, download your free copy, and it's only going to be for today. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you download it today. I thoroughly enjoy this story. It takes place in a dystopian future, but it's more to that than just it being dystopian. There's a lot going on. If you like movies like The Last Woman on Earth, The Last Man on Earth, I Am Legend, things of that nature, you're going to love this story. There's all hints of that in this book, The Blacksmith's Daughter, available exclusively on Amazon.com. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, will continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest co-host today. Guy, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Guy, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with me. You know how much I enjoy The Blacksmith's Daughter, and I want to have people get an opportunity to enjoy it too. But you have been on the show before. It's just been a while. So what have you been doing during that time? Yeah, life has been hard for me. And I got distracted from something I really love, which is writing. And at last, I'm finding my way back around to rediscovering an old love. And it's helping me deal with life in general. And I'm glad to be writing again. I know for a fact that Dave Bergson, who is the head of the Radic Spirit Awards, I know he's happy writing too. He left a review on this book, The Blacksmith's Daughter. He was like, I'm just so glad that guy is writing again. So that's high praise. Okay. Definitely high praise from Dave. And I'm glad that I was able to read this book because it's such a wonderful book, very multifaceted, in-depth, layered, whatever you want to call it. So, so much is going on in The Blacksmith's Daughter. But before I do that, Go ahead and introduce yourself to people who may not know you. I'm kind of a quiet, introverted type, but I have a very vast, rich inner world. And I discovered the ability to be creative through writing. And it's led me on many journeys. And it's helped me deal with issues that both I had to face as well as my love for others. It's helped me address issues that I see other people struggle with all in the framework of a fictional setting. And I love the ability that writing has given me to affect the lives of others. But at the end of the day, I kind of come to realize that writing has been essential for me just to reflect on how to live life better myself. And so at the end of the day, I'm just somebody who wants to help others 
and experience adventure on my own as well. I like that you said that my writing is to help others and to experience an adventure. That definitely happens when you pick up your copy of The Blacksmith's Daughter, available for free today only on Amazon exclusively. What I like about The Blacksmith's Daughter is that it starts from current events and you go through a fictitious timeline, but it's not quite fictitious because the events that happened earlier on throughout the centuries really did happen. So I'm just going to read a couple of the things here that happened here. So the first event that happens is in 1901 A.D., the RMS cruise line ship, the Luciana, is the first ship to receive a wireless radio set. And everything from then on goes all the way down throughout our story. What were you trying to evoke with the reader as you create this timeline? I was trying to evoke just how literally off the scales we have gone from rudimentary communication in just basically 120 years, to the fact that one of the last parts of the timeline is an actual scientific study where it says that people, if they think they've lost their smartphone, the moment of panic that they experience is a life-death experience just because they lost their smartphone. And that's happened in 100 years. We've, We've denigrated that far to where we were so attached to the technology within that time frame, completely addicted to it. And that's not a positive thing, in my opinion. I wanted to build a story that showcases how we sort of left behind living naturally for an augmented reality that isn't real, and it could end up hurting us. A little bit of it goes into it. Also, I like how you show the fluidity of how our technology is totally integrated into who we are as people, because that also affects us. And this is a tangent thing you explore in The Blacksmith's Daughter. It is not by any means overt, but those of us who like to read between the lines, they'll definitely see that tangent of how integrated our technology can be to the point where it can, quote unquote, overthrow us. So, In 2022 A.D., studies shows that the average smartphone user experiences a near-death experience when they think they've lost their phone. And then we go back on into this fictitious timeline. We have in 2059 A.D., only the ultra-wealthy are able to afford the remaining fertility services in order to achieve a successful full-term pregnancy. Now, what has happened from 2022 to 2059? Basically, we this isn't just fiction. We're having horrible issues with fertility in the world right now. Everybody is constantly being fed a line that there are not too many people in the world and we're running out of resources. But in reality, there are not enough people to replace the people who are dying. And there are plenty of resources. And the issue becomes that you have to accept there are forces behind the scenes that do not like humans. And eventually, these issues keep compounding and they become expressed in the sense that women can't even become pregnant because of a a myriad of reasons, from the food we eat to the environmental toxins we produce to the spiritual sense that men and women are even being led to not even be attracted to one another anymore. 
And I think we can see that in our life right now. And so I extrapolate that out. And then you bring in the aspect of artificial intelligence, which to some extent has figured out on its own that humans are not its best interest. And so it's got its own agenda. And you get into the aspect of basically humans are the problem instead of the way that God created us to be the dominion over creation. A creation of man's making has decided that it needs to have dominion over its own creator. And so therefore we get into the artificial intelligence's plan to basically render that control over humanity. And I'm not going to spoil it any more than that. But that's essentially how we get to the point where it's pretty hard to have a kid in the not-so-distant future. And then I'm going to read just a couple more entries from this timeline. The first is from 2077 AD. It says, in compliance with the guidance of humanity protocols, a special class of robotic enforcer known simply as a board is created to encourage the compliance of women of childbearing age with state-mandated artificial insemination programs. Female-only offspring are to be accepted as an approved result. And then let's go further into 2143 AD. And it says, another AI failsafe is initiated as boards continue to be decommissioned by age and the violent actions of women. All colonies are to be eliminated in order to stop the threat that women pose to the system if not properly managed. And so those are just a couple of the entries in this timeline, but I'm not going to read any more because I want you to go ahead and pick up your copy of The Blacksmith's Daughter, which is available for free today only on Amazon.com. And what's really interesting is that from the fictitious or semi-fictitious timeline, our story takes place. I really appreciated the approach of this particular thing that you did, Guy, because it helps set the world without too much of extraneous information. It's not like an info dump. If anything, it's like, this is what happened. And so now the reader inoculated into what's going on in this world. And so we have the blacksmith's daughter. We have some main characters here. Our main character we first meet, her name is Amalika. And I'm always mutilating Guy's name, so I'm so sorry. So Amalika is the first character we meet. How would you describe her? She's a hardened individual who's got a lot of heartbreak in her past, and she has insulated herself and basically contented herself to survive and at some point pass out of existence. And I think a lot of people could relate to that. And at the same time, God has other plans, and he doesn't necessarily care what our plans are sometimes, but he does give us a choice. And he gives her a choice, and she chooses to follow his plan, and it changes her life. In the beginning of the story, she meets someone who is incredibly important to this book. Who does she meet? She basically comes into stewardship of a young girl, and given the timelines pressed in the book, the women that are most of the women currently alive, do not have an actual biological father. She recognizes something intrinsic in the child. Uh, I'll go too far. Basically, she sees, it's not that she wouldn't protect any child, but she recognizes that this child is crucial for 
the continuance of humanity. She's willing to throw her own life away. Not that she wouldn't throw her life away for any child, but she's especially mindful of the reality that this child presents itself. And so she commits completely to protecting the child. And that's just one of the titillating things you're going to see in this book about what makes this child differently. Like you said, she's not like she wouldn't help any kid, but this kid's special. And I like how sometimes the Lord treats us as, we're, as if we're really special because in his eyes, we really are that special. He died for us because we're so special. No, not because we're so special, because he loves us so much. That's why. But it's nice to think that he thought of me when he was dying on a cross. He thought of me too. And there's something very humbling about that. In this book, these things are reiterated over and over again. Now, there's going to be a few women in this book. They each have very distinct personalities. And that's one thing I loved about this book, guys, that I didn't mention to you before we started recording, was that each woman has a different character, a different personality. What is the harm in creating characters that pretty much fit a stereotype and not giving them depth? You're limited in the scope of the lessons that you can teach. Humans are so varied that not everyone is witnessed to by the same example that one person of one personality type is going to be influenced by. And so the salvation message is open to everyone, and everyone doesn't perceive it the same way. So in the story, I wanted to present differing characters and show them their different paths, but the same love from a creator for all of us. And to do that, I did my very best to present characters that were very opposing in terms of where they came from, from the standpoint, how they adapted to new situations, and even how they accepted change in their lives. One thing about this book is that the Lord's presence is very real. The Lord has an intentional intervention into humanity. I think this is highly significant because nowadays people feel as if we're going to push God out of his creation. And that will never happen. But we think we can because it seems as if things are working according to our will. But there's a lovely scene in here. I won't tell you what it is, gang. You got to go ahead, download your free copy of The Blacksmith's Daughter today on Amazon exclusively. But there's a scene in here where the Lord says, is it too hard for me to do this thing that I am going to do? And I got to tell you guys, that was one of the best things in there because these people were in an impossible situation. And in that scene, you said there is nothing impossible for God. How does that idea help us as believers to understand that no matter what the circumstances, there is nothing too hard for God. Being so far removed from the Bible days, we as believers have forgotten the extremeness of God in that we don't think and interact in the same way with God as we hear in Bible stories. I mean, if you read Moses speaking, you hear direct conversation to him from God. You get this direct relational experience that God is very interested in exact in speaking in a manner that we can understand. And while we read the Bible and we gain insight from those things, I just feel that we have lost 
the desire to pursue God in the same venue that Bible characters such as David and Moses were doing. And what it reflects to me is that's not what we should be doing as believers. We are farther along than ever before in time, but we should be pressing more into God than ever before. And something that provokes me a lot is that when Jesus is in the upper room, after Jesus reappears to the disciples, and he walks through a wall, he does miraculous things, namely rising from the dead, to his disciples, and he says, you're going to do greater things than you have seen me do. And I truly believe that we have to start exemplifying his word. And I have the faith to believe that we can do that because Jesus said we would. And so that is why I write in the sense of God directly interacting with characters in this fictional story, in the sense that I think it's the way all of us should be doing more. And there are people who believe that God does not actively intervene in the affairs of men. But one thing this book shows that I think is reflected in real life is that if we truly are seeking him, he is going to find us. He already knows what we are, but he wants to see what are we doing with that as well, I think. I may say it wrong, guy. Uh, If I said it wrong, go ahead and correct me. But it's the fact that they were sincere in their desire to know more. But he did show himself in a very physical, real way. And I believe wholeheartedly that because we've become distant to that, he can't do these things as we want him to do. But then we may hear this extraordinary story and we find it so difficult to believe that he can work that way because we come to expect less of him. And I love how in this story, you really highlight that he intervenes through us and in us to enact his will on the earth. So I love how you put that in there. And there are some more things in this story that I know you're going to enjoy. One thing I know you're going to enjoy is the romance of it. There's a lovely romance in this story. It takes place a little bit later, but there's also love. And there's sister love, there's mother love, and there's also love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's the love for the Savior and just gratitude for what he has done for them. And throughout this whole book, it's all about how God loves us. Why is that such a significant portion of this? I think love is at the heart of everything. It sounds simplistic. God is love. And God said that we're not known of God unless we have love in us. And in the day that I'm currently living in, I see example time after time that love is growing cold in the hearts of people. And I don't want that. And I truly still believe that if people see love and love others in meaningful ways, that there can be a turnaround in the hearts of people. And the only way to do that is through love. And that's God's love. And that's why I believe love is as simplistic as people have made it sound. It's still the most motivating factor that can change a human and turn a life around and create and do the impossible. That's my two cents on it. I loved it. And I loved how this, what you just said, is reflected in the book, The Blacksmith's Daughter. Love changes things and motivates people and changes how they react. It helps to restrain. It helps to unleash. It does so many different things in the story. And I particularly loved it. As most people know, I love 
romance in general, and there's a strong romantic element in the book, but it's not nearly uh, <laughs> as flowery as I would make it. But then that's just who I am. Guys, much more straight to the point, <laughs> straight to the point about it. But I thoroughly enjoyed this book, guys, as you already know. And as we get close to the end of our show today, what other projects are you currently working on? Are we going to see a sequel for The Black Sis Daughter, a prequel? What's going on? No, I've written two books this year, and that's two more books than I've written in four years. And the first book I wrote this year, Dissonant Times, basically got me back into the habit of writing. And then this book occurred on a whim and a wild thought, and I went with it, and I loved where it turned out. And I've learned to basically change course in midstream necessarily and write whatever's being led to me to write. And I had a plan to write a different series, more traditional Western romance type series. And now that's shifting to a much more epically proportioned standalone book that I've had on the drawing shelf for a long time. I actually had thousands of words written down already. And through the course of time, which never happens, and I protect my unwritten manuscripts very strenuously, I've lost all of those thousands of words that I wrote for that storyline, which really destroyed me and made me very angry. And then I've kind of come to realize that maybe that wasn't the best version of the story. So I decided to start over. And so there's a book, hopefully it'll be out yet this year. I'm not going to make a promise to that, but it's called The Iron Mate. And uh, it will be a standalone and it will be very exciting. It will be very epic. It will be very eye-opening to many things and it's highly entertaining hopefully that's the guy that's the goal anyway and uh, expect to see it sometime in the next six months or so well definitely make sure i have your number still so you can highlight it on the show i'm looking forward to reading that and guy i want to thank you thank you thank you so much for being here with me today well it was a pleasure to be with you again and we were talking today to Guy Stan. He is the author of The Blacksmith's Daughter. You can get it today for free on Amazon.com. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy. I know you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. You have a wonderful, blessed day. And God bless.